This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, champs, to another issue of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, is my host, Louis Ezekiel, and the E is for our last entry of the show before the fantasy playoffs start in all of my leagues, anyway. I know that, you know, we've got different different standards for different leagues around the fantasy world, but Louis, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's an exciting time. You know, this is the the time of year where you start to think very short term. Uh, We've had some interesting questions about who to keep and who to drop and when do you cut bait with good players when you're just trying to squeeze every last game out of each week so that you can advance to the next round. Uh, Very exciting. It is the Fantasy Hockey March Madness coming up. Totally. And I am in the same boat as you. I'm trying to maximize games played across all of my leagues right now, and it is a struggle Four ads becomes a lot fewer than you're used to at this time of year. Yeah, absolutely right. You really have to be uh, judicious about how you decide to utilize your few remaining resources. Well, Lewis, despite all the preamble, we better just hop right into it because we have a busy show. As always, we'll start with our headlines. Number one headline, we sort of danced around this the other night. Connor Sherry back in Pittsburgh after a trade deadline deal. Folks are wondering, should general managers expect Connor Sherry to reach those 2017 season heights when he was pacing for 70 points? Are you getting your hopes up for Connor Sherry back in Pittsburgh? So I think it's exciting. And certainly if I had Sherry like in a dynasty league or whatever, where he had been worth rostering throughout the season, I would be happy to have him there. Uh, you know, obviously it's an improvement over his situation in Buffalo, and he's shown that he can be productive in that top six. However, I wouldn't expect him certainly to reach those 2017 heights, you know, back when everyone wanted to know, is it Sherry or is it Gensel? Who is the guy uh, who's going to emerge from this battle as the most successful? I think we have seen demonstrated very clearly that, that Gensel is the real uh, as as Brian would say, he is the straw that stirs the drink, at least between the two of them. Especially without power play time, it's going to be hard for him to get up there. However, if Zucker is appealing in your league, you know, Sherry is kind of like a cut-rate Zucker right now who has demonstrated that he can put up a decent pace on this team. Um, but I would imagine that his ceiling is probably like a 60-point pace moving forward. Yeah, I don't think that Jay... Uh, I'm with you, but I think that Jason Zucker is who we wish Connor Sherry could be. Uh, just based on player talent and ability, I don't see him with that upside. Yeah, like I said, a poor man's Jason Zucker. 
So I, I definitely agree with your take on uh, on Zucker over Sherry. And I, it's difficult to get excited, even though I was riding Sherry in a bunch of leagues in the year where he went off on Crosby's wing. We'll keep moving. We have another injury in Toronto, of course. Jake Muzzin, broken hand. He's going to be out about a month. We saw some issues in net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, perhaps not coincidentally tonight. Does this change the way you feel about Freddie Anderson? Are we, you know, downgrading him even further or are we ready for Jack Campbell's season? Where are you at, Lewis? Well, I think the klaxons are definitely sounding uh, amongst the Anderson owners, you know, someone who just seemed like such a sure thing to be a, a really positive pickup you know, at the start of the season and has had many issues throughout the year. I think he's under 900 in his his last few games here. Even with that big shutout, it's a bummer. One silver lining that we can pick out of this whole Anderson debacle is that if next week is the start of your playoffs, the Leafs do have a pretty cushy schedule in terms of going up against some of the worst offenses in the league as they make their California road trip through San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A., uh, there is a back-to-back in there, so we're probably talking at best two games for Anderson, but uh, they should be against some pretty weak offenses, so that may be something that still appeals to you. Another side effect that we're seeing of this Muzzin injury is that Barry, who ended up untraded, Justin Hall, and Travis Dermott saw increased minutes. Uh, Dermott could be really interesting as a peripherals guy, especially in hits leagues, uh, and with increased minutes, he could definitely be relevant for category leagues down the stretch for you. I'm not really interested in Dermot or Hall. Like, those guys are very, very mad to me. It's like, if your schedule, if they give you a back-to-back on a weekend or something, then I could see it. But they're pretty mad to me as far as peripheral league guys go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just looking for, for potential side effects here. Let's uh, move on to our next outchery. Finally, some good news in Calgary with Mark Giordano, the captain of the Flames, back against Boston. Shockingly, though, unless you listen to short shifts on Tuesday, Eric Gustafson remains the top power play option in Calgary. I mentioned at the trade deadline show Calgary's not just adding Gustafson not to use him on this power play unit. So I think they continue to look for him. He uh, he put up some power play offense in their Tuesday night game. It's good to see him still there. I think he's worth adding so long as he sticks on that top unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think people should be running out to grab him if it's available. Pause the show right now. I was able to pick him up in a league this morning, but I think that window is going to start closing once people realize that it is not merely a matter of waiting for Giordano to come back for him to lose that spot. Uh, it is Gustafson's spot to hold for the time being. Uh, additionally, if you are someone who is holding, say, a Noah Hannafin, you are starting to snooze. So you got to ditch him, pick up somebody else if you can. Absolutely. I'm with you there. So Ben, we waited ages for Giordano to get back in the lineup. And then I think a lot of folks were disappointed to see him end up on power play too. Uh, speaking of waiting a long time only to be disappointed, do you know how long Americans have to wait to see a doctor on average? Yeah, I know this one. I'm pretty sure it's about 20, 28, 29 days. Yeah, you nailed it. So this proves that you have some quality short-term memory since, of course, we talked about our sponsors from Roman last episode. Uh, if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you don't want to wait 29 days. You want treatment ASAP. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. That sounds amazing. So Roman's made it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Yeah, you can grab your phone, jump on a computer, you can complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. It's super easy. 
And Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping if your doctor decides that your treatment is right for you. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there is no commitment. You can cancel anytime. And of course, they ship to you discreetly. So if you're struggling with ED, head to GetRoman.com slash Carlson for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Carlson, K-A-R-L-S-S-O-N, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Thank you, Roman, for sponsoring our show. Do you think that Elon could get a sponsor for his tier one keeping Carlson with two C's fantasy hockey team and they would do getroman.com slash Carlson with a C instead? I think that would really throw people for a loop. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they wouldn't make it through. All right, well, Lewis, usually on our Thursday shows, we do a patron five segment. We noticed folks were using the poll to mostly just answer free form questions as opposed to asking us about specific players. So we thought we'd just open it up. One time only, dip into Twitter, go back to the Facebook group, and ask people for mailbag questions. And the people did not disappoint us. We have a number of mailbag questions here. And we are going to start with a Twitter question we got from our bud, Shane. Shane asks, Saros, is he the guy now? And are the Nashville problems being righted just in time for Saros to be a great playoff tender? I actually think that the uh, what's going on in Nashville doesn't really have to do with them playing out of their mind. I think they're pretty mediocre by their five-on-five numbers. And, you know, if you look at those lines, like, it is a disaster zone. I'm not holding anybody not named Philip Forsberg in the forward group. And even there, it's not great. So I think that Saros is clearly the starter. And he's also the reason why the team has been good. So I'm not giving Nashville too much credit. I think that we're looking at a, a very hot streak for UC Saros. I'm not sure it's going to continue forever. And I think the important thing to remember here is that they are not committed to holding Saros there. And so I don't think there's anything like a long leash in Nashville. I think if he stumbles, it's Pekka's net again. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, you know, I'm happily riding Saros right now as a consolation prize and losing out in the Thatcher Demko bidding war. Uh, he's another guy who's been quite a disappointment recently, at least since he kind of took over that starting job with the injury to Markstrom. But I'm with you, Ben. I think a bad game from Saros and Pekka gets a shot. Uh, and it may be challenging coming up because we've got the Avs and the Oilers coming up. So Saros will definitely have to perform in order to hold his spot. Uh, I will say that that Oilers game isn't necessarily a guarantee to go over who, go to whoever the presumed starter is because there will be a back to back also involving the Wild. So I'm sure Saros owners are hoping that he can dodge the Oilers and take on the Wild. Uh, who are highly successful, it seems, only when taking on the really putrid Detroit Red Wings. All right, Lewis, why don't you ask the next question? Yeah, for sure. So Jesse asks, can you recommend any free agent-level playoff targets that have great schedules and any other players that you would recommend dropping because of a bad playoff schedule? This is a 12-team Cats League uh a banger league with 18 man rosters. So I think Lewis, first of all, that this is one of those questions that depends exactly on your situation. So I, I think it's important that we don't get too specific when we answer these questions because everyone's league is so different and playoffs start different weeks. You know, uh, Jesse mentioned his roster size. Of course, we're happy to answer anyone's specific questions at AVG time on ice or at keeping Carlson on Twitter. You can always hit us up with questions and we are happy to answer them. I did have a few thoughts on players 
players who I'm interested in right now. So if you're trying to win right now to get into your matchup, I think players like Gustafson, who we mentioned before, Sorelli, uh, Andre Palat, while Steven Stamkos continues to be injured, is very interesting to me. And then I think in Edmonton, Yamamoto... Tyler Ennis and Andreas Athanasiu, who went out injured last night. Those are all interesting players. And Nick Foligno, while he is on a tear right now. I've also got eyes on Nazim Kadre, who I know the Avs have a great playoff schedule, and we haven't seen any updates that he's returning. But his ownership rate is fairly low. If he if we get word that Kadri's back in time for week two of the playoffs, March 9th, then I'm in on Kadri. Uh, what was your thought on this question, Lewis? Well, first, I want to say that I'm really glad you brought up Yamamoto. Uh, we found out recently that his absence is going to be much shorter than expected. So if you have owners in your league who dropped him because they felt like he was going to be out for too long for them to be worth holding, uh, see if you can get out there and jump up on him. Um, you know, first off, I just want to say I'm not really into dropping good or even decent players for schedule issues. I know we're talking about bottom of the roster. Um, but, you know, unless it's a massive disparity, especially because sometimes, you know, if you're not careful about checking your schedule, you may end up in a situation where these players that you're picking up will have to sit anyhow on a busy night, even with their schedule advantage. So just be very careful with that. If you're looking to churn the waiver wire, these are some teams that you may want to drop players from because they only have two games each week in March. So week one, the Coyotes, Panthers, Kings, and Jets each have only two games. Uh, in week two, Jackets and Flames are the teams with two games each. And then week three is the Ducks. No one in week four of March uh, has a two-game schedule. So um, you end up with five teams that have 15 games in the first four weeks of March. The Hurricanes, Avalanche, Oilers, Predators, and Penguins. Uh, so some good potential ads that might be kicking around your waiver wire, in my opinion, include Ennis, who you mentioned, Saros, if he can hold on, uh, Mikhail Granlund, who, you know, has been performing as well as kind of any of those non-Philip Forsberg uh, Predators forwards can. Um, I like uh, Nijelkovic, uh, Shiri, Nichas, and Nino as other potential options. Uh, and if you can survive his two games in week two, uh, Mikhail Backlund is just going bananas right now. I don't know how widely available he might be in your leagues, but uh, that is a guy who you really should try to pick up. I got outbid on him in my current match against Brian. Sure wish I had Backlund on my team instead of on his. I'm with you on Mikhail Backlund. He is a must-own right now. I'm going to use this as a nice transition point to hop to another question we got from Twitter from user SuperDave46. He wanted to know about Mikhail Backlund's line mate, Andrew Mangiapane. He asked, thoughts on Mangiapane down the stretch? My first thought on Andrew Mangiapane is I do wish he would shoot more. Even with the recent blow-up games, he's got five goals in the past five, but on only 11 shots. So if he is going to score more at, at a 30-goal pace or whatever, he is going to need to shoot more. Having said that, this kachuk backland Mangiapane line looks really special right now. And they're clearly three very talented players. They've been outscoring that Monaghan-Goudreau line over the past 30 days, and it's no surprise. So I think that Mangiapane can be a 60-65 to 65 point player. I don't think we'll see him being the focal point of that line at any time soon. So think of him as a third wheel. And as you do any player who's talented, but kind of the third wheel on a line with two better players, I think that Matthew Kachuk is clearly the guy who you might expect to go point per game. And then I think Mikhail Backlund has 65 to 70 point upside. Mangiapane is just a tier below that for me. 
so I would ride him as the schedule goes. It's a little tough to consider keeping him. As you mentioned, this week uh, coming up March 9th, the Flames only have two games, the worst schedule in the league. So I would understand cycling out him out at that point. But for now, I'm riding Andrew Mangiapane, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, you know, this is, as far as second lines go, this is about as good as it gets outside of maybe places like Pittsburgh. Uh, so, yeah, I really love to have the third wheel with Kachuk and Backlund while he is just on fire. So, good advice, in my opinion. So, take a look and see if Mangiapane is hanging out on your waiver wire and see if you can snap him up. That may be a great option for you uh, outside of this second week of March. Yeah, see if he's kicking around out there. <laughs> All right, Lewis, where do you want to go next? Uh, we had a question from none other than Elon Dabrowski. He wants to know, Adam Henrique has eight goals and five assists in his last ten games played. Should people be rushing to add him with a nice odd day playoff schedule? Right, I do have an answer for this. Uh <laughs> To me, and I was thinking about this today, I think Adam Henrique is kind of the quintessential 2019-2020 streamer. Everyone has had him on their roster at some point, I think. Uh, obviously, this stretch right now, he's shooting 30%. That's a little ridiculous. But I do think he is waiver wire plus. That's a term that I use for guys who you don't need to have them on your roster, but they could probably be on a team's roster. So they're like a little bit too good for the waiver wire right now. But there will be moments where he slumps and he's not good enough. Hopefully, he stays hot for, as Elon alluded to, this nice odd day playoff schedule. I'm happy to keep him on my roster in a few leagues as long as he stays productive through those stretches yeah i don't see any reason why you would want to ditch him right now while he's doing so well and if he's available i'm sure there is uh you know a player on a lot of rosters that would be worth dropping to try to get in on this action that he has Enrique's 28 shots over the course of these 10 games so yes he's shooting you know probably too high but if he keeps up this shot rate he's going to continue to pot some points probably not at a 13 points for every 10 games played uh, meanwhile it really seems like he is taking over uh, for what we sort of have expected from Getzlaff, less so in the last couple of years. But, you know, Ryan Getzlaff has had just four points and 12 shots over the course of those t- same 10 games while playing comparable minutes. So I, you know, I would be thinking if it's heading towards playoff times in a one-year league, you know, or if I'm in a keeper where, you know, Ryan Getzlaff is not super interesting to me, which is probably a lot of them, uh, I might be thinking about making that swap uh, sooner rather than later. Well, and I am a little bit concerned to see Henrique skating with Danton Heinen and Kiefer Sherwood. A name that's very interesting to me that we haven't mentioned since the trade deadline, Sonny Milano on that line with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel. I could see him continuing to make a little noise there. That's a really nice spot for a guy who's kind of bounced around the lineup in Columbus, and now he he's kind of on his last shot out here in Anaheim. It would be interesting to see if he could get back on track with a rejuvenated group of line mates. Yeah, it's certainly the, uh, you know, uh, supporting cast you would want to have out there on a line in, in Anaheim. Absolutely. Well, Lewis, let's get to Connie's question next. Of course, Connie from the patron-only Facebook group. What's up, Connie? She wants to know about Keith Yandel. Is he droppable yet? She says he's been poisoned. Yeah, she pointed out in that same question that his 30-day average in the Cupful has been under two fantasy points a Unbelievable, game. Unbelievable, yeah. So that's, that's real bad. That's, you know, averaging, 
you know, uh, two thirds of an assist each game, you know, counting peripherals and, you know, like blocks and hits and shots. So yeah, really grim look for Yandel. Unfortunately, he also happens to play on the eighth best power play in the NHL as the power play quarterback there. Uh, you have to imagine that there are better options ahead. He did manage to assist this evening here on Thursday. So he's making an effort to remain in your lineup. What's grim is the cats do start to seem kind of hollowed out with Trochik gone. And the Twitterverse is going on and on about the plan to reduce costs for the team. So I do worry about uh, the Panthers' offense kind of fizzling out late in the season more than it already kind of has. That's a supremely talented first power play that I think just about any team in the league would be happy to have. So I, I'm thinking that you got to hold on to him. Um, compounding the concern is that uh, next week... We only see the Panthers on Thursday and Saturday, so it's not even a situation where you could play him for his two games early in the week and then ditch him for someone else if you feel like you're behind. Uh, You're really looking at a long spell without him to start the week and then just hoping he can outscore his alternatives. Uh, He did show today that he's certainly capable of doing that, and most waiver wires are free of power play quarterback defensemen. Uh, So I'm thinking in most cases you got to hold on to Yandel. Yeah, I would drop my wallet on Keith Yandel if he was dropped in any of the leagues where I use Fab. Um, I think he's way too good to be on a waiver wire. And that's the unfortunate thing. At this time of year, it becomes a little bit easier to drop these players. But I think he's still kind of in that class of too good to drop uh, that deployment, you know, and, and, you know, you see Florida lose Trocheck, but that doesn't even really affect Yandel on the power play, right? He wasn't even up on that top unit. So I'm, uh, I'm worried about Yandel, but I'm unable to drop him personally. I'm, I'm stuck. Yeah. There's too much potential ceiling out there for, for what he's capable of achieving where you can't really afford to let him go. I don't think I, I would very much worry about someone else in my league snapping him up. As you said, dropping their, their remaining fab on him or, or using up their top waiver wire selection and then going on to have him be very successful for them in the playoffs hey lewis do you hear that that's i oh i think that's that's the tyler to foley goal horn he <laughs> did it what you're getting at yeah tyler to foley back on the board we love to see it yeah listen uh, i love that one because as i will update tomorrow morning uh it is pushing him back ahead of back ahead of dylan larkin uh so my trade looking okay so far Dylan Larkin, of course, getting stomped into the ground by the by the Minnesota Wild. Currently seven one in the third period. Still a few more minutes for Kevin Fiala and uh, and for Matt Dumba chasing the hat trick. Yeah, really nice. Uh, Eric Stahl did manage to get one of those goals, so I'm quite pleased. Uh, you'd hope you could maybe do a little bit more, but with Stahl, you know, you kind of get what you can what you can. All right, Lewis. I believe we have one more question here, and that comes from our good pal Mattia. Maddie wants to know. Blake Coleman, I know it's been a short, small sample size, but can you let me know what your thoughts are? Uh, we did talk about Coleman recently on a Patron 5 episode. I think it was last week. The consensus at that time, or my opinion, was to wait a few games, see if he maintained his high heist time in Tampa, and then see what the deployment is. What we've come to see, he's not getting any power play time, but what he is doing is he's playing with Anthony Sorelli on something of a shutdown unit. I don't think that that's, you know, in on itself... In its, I don't think that that's in itself enough to drop him, but what I am genuinely concerned about is only seeing 15 and a half minutes a night. That's about three minutes fewer than he was playing for the 20 games or so before he left New Jersey. So I am concerned enough about Coleman to say that he's a waiver wire player until we see those minutes tick back up. 
It's a bad omen, and it is still early, but he missed tonight's game again for the birth of his child. Totally reasonable uh, reason to miss a game for what it's worth. But that does prolong the wait to see what he can do on the new team. I'm thinking he's a 35 to 40 point guy with great peripherals and not so much upside on a team that really doesn't need him to be offensive to succeed. Yeah, really, you know, I think a classic example of a guy who ends up traded from a positive position to provide depth and really loses out on a ton of his fantasy value. So certainly, um, you know, a bummer for those of us who were really enjoying what he was able to provide. But I'm with you. I think this is a team that doesn't need him nearly as much as New Jersey did. Uh, and, you know, those those first few weeks with the new baby, I know hockey players can provide for all kinds of whatever they may need uh, during those early periods. But um, those are those are some tough times. So I imagine there's not a ton of sleep taking place at the Coleman household uh, for a little while here. Counterpoint, though, Fred Van Vliet going off for the Raptors after having his baby girl last playoffs, basically winning them the NBA championship. So I don't I don't like to think that the, the new baby I, I'm I go against the new baby thing that is famous in keeping Carlson circles. But um, if you can still get him. Anthony Sorelli is very interesting on the top power play unit. And Andre Palat playing again with Kucherov and Point on that top line. So both of those guys, very interesting. I would drop Coleman for either if they happen to be available in your league. Yeah, interesting too that Stamco said that he had been playing through this injury for a while and expected to continue to play through it uh, moving forward and probably pursuing some short-term options for treatment as opposed to going in for surgery. All he's done has been a point per game over the last stretch here. You know, obviously playing through that injury is really hampering a superstar like Steven Stamkos. He's really had a great later career renaissance. I know he's still like only 30, so it's not like he's in his twilight years, but there were a few years there where he dipped down into like the 65, 70 point pace range. And to see him, you know, over the past couple of years bounce back up into the 90 point plus range has been great. I wish that we could see, you know, the, the, the 60 goal scorer we saw when he was a rookie or not a rookie, but when he was much younger. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's been great to see that later career renaissance. Well, and the big thing that they got to do now is make that push deeper into the playoffs. I know he's got mm-hmm. one uh, from from before, but you got to feel like with this team, with the the lineup that they have right now, uh, they've got to start making some hay with with <laughs> while the sun is shining on this wonderful team that Steve Eiserman has helped put together for them. So the question becomes in Tampa Bay. Are you trying your best to win the division and then have to go against one of the wildcard teams? Or would you rather stay in this number two spot and play what's been a very underwhelming Toronto team in the first round of the playoffs? I don't know that teams think about this all that much. There's there's so little control over how they actually can end up in these spots. And I think they're just trying to go out and win each game. So... I don't think there's a ton of strategy for sort of maneuvering yourself into the right position. Maybe in the last couple of weeks, we'll see some players uh, hit the bench in a way that might be conducive to getting a favorable matchup that, you know, the the scouts and the, the admins think that they want. But I don't know. I don't put a ton of stock into that sort of thinking. All right, Lewis. Well, I think that's all we have today. Uh, for myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing out of here. Lewis, why don't you tell the folks where they can find us online? 
All right. Well, please check us out at AVG Time on Ice. You, of course, can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Uh, we want to, of course, thank our patrons for sponsoring our show, uh, as well as the good folks at Roman. Uh, please check them out. When you support them, you are supporting us, especially if, when you use that code. Uh, thank you to Natural Stat Trick, uh, Corsica, Hockey, Fantrax, Yahoo, uh, for helping us research the episode. Uh, and until we see you next week, play smart and keep your shifts short.